You should have tried to get. You should have gotten Martha Stewart on this week. Well, what's going on with that? I've been so busy this week. I saw Martha Stewart was in the news, and I have no idea why. So two. Well, she did two things this week. Uh, well, I guess her company did one of them, uh, but uh, she got sued by Loads Loadsis. Right? Oh yeah. no, shit, Loadsis. So she got sued by Loadsis for like five thousand bucks over like the in-app purchase thing because she's she's got some. I don't even know what they are, but she's got some. Apps. Some, some app that uses in-app purchase. Yes, some app that uses in-app purchases. So they sued her, and she's like, oh, no. For no, those you of don't. you – Not to Martha Martha Stewart, you don't. Really? So she's suing them. She's, like, trying to get their um, their claim invalidated. Awesome. Yeah, which would be great. I mean, because I think that would have – I would assume that would have implications for everybody else. Yeah, totally. For all those of you guys who don't remember, LODSYS, L-O-D-S-Y-S, I think it stands for, it's like the, uh, it's like a Latin word that means a bunch of assholes, <laughs> uh, is a true patent troll. Like it's, it's their, right. their quote they make unquote, nothing. they make nothing. Their office is like a, a broom closet in Texas. Um, <laughs> I like patent troll gets overused. Patent troll is used yes. by like, and there's all sorts of totally legitimate complaints about this U- U.S. patent system and worldwide patents and software patents in particular. And uh, and and people throw around the term patent troll to mean companies that are doing objectionable things with patents. But that's not really patent troll is really a company that is like the epitome of the problems with the patent system, which is a company that actually has no product. Doesn't do anything, has a patent, but has no product that actually does the thing that the patent covers that just exists to sue people and, right. and extort licenses. And that's what Loadsys is. And that they've gone after, uh, which is the further objectionable part, they've gone after a lot of little guys. Like, you know, like when you sue Apple over a patent or you sue Microsoft, well, you know, they're ready for it. And they sue other people and they've got, you know, big team of full-time patent lawyers and I'm sure it's a pain in the ass to them every time it happens but it's nowhere near as big a deal as when you sue say uh, like our friends at the Icon Factory or James Thompson the guy behind Drag Thing you know his his TLA Systems is literally a two-person company it's him and his wife and then they've got you know a, a, a big patent fight on their hands so hooray for you Martha Stewart yeah and then she drops her iPad Oh, no. Cracks the corner. Cracks the glass in the corner, I guess. I don't think it's all the way across, but I didn't I didn't get it too, too far into this into this rabbit hole. But she um, – and I think she tweeted something about, so do I just wait until someone from Apple comes and picks it up? <laughs> <laughs> and then she was, she was kind of getting upset about it on Twitter. Uh and and then apparently I guess she got called by or somehow she got feedback from Apple PR saying hey you know lighten up, um, and so she said something about that on Twitter too. <laughs> <laughs> but her complaint or part of her complaint was that she said she said you know that you guys should fix this. Steve Jobs gave me this iPad. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Which that, I, you know, and I, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure how to react to this. I mean, if Steve, Steve gives you an iPad, hmm. you do want know. it fixed. Should the, should the should the company take care of that iPad in perpetuity? I don't know. That's funny. That you seems like kind of a. It also yeah. means she must have been. She must be using a pretty old iPad. Right. 
I mean, because what's the the last one he could have given her? It would have been like a like a, a two, maybe. Yeah, I think an yeah, iPad two. Yeah. yeah, not even a Retina screen. Gross. <laughs> and then on the other hand, I think Martha Stewart could probably afford to buy herself a new iPad. Yeah, you would think so. It's pretty awesome, though, because she could obviously afford to pay Lodz's $5,000, and it's really cool that instead of doing yes. that, she's going to spend a lot more than that to fight it. Right, right. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, maybe her frugality is... Because uh... that's exactly the... That's, that, it, it, it's extortion. The, the patent troll game is genuine extortion, where they just... They, they set a price that is, you know, way less than it would cost to fight. And yeah. so it just... Yeah. You know, it can be a, a very practical, and I don't blame anybody who settles, you know, uh, who knows? I might too. I don't know, depending on what they did, you know, that it's, you know, it can be incredibly expensive to fight. That's what makes it extortion. I'd love to see, oh, you yeah, probably don't want to know <laughs> the list of people that they've yeah. extorted to date. Yeah, and it's so funny because it was like it's just like a, when I've seen some of the list, it's just it just yin yangs between like multi billion dollar conglomerates and like yeah one person mom and pop part time software jobs. Because I remember the one time when TLA Systems was announced as one of their targets, which is James Thompson's you know little two person software company, it was mm-hmm. like the next company listed was the Walt Disney Company. <laughs> 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 it's like how does that even happen? <laughs> oh. Well, hopefully she uh she sticks it to him. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Oh, man. So yeah, anyway, you couldn't get her, so you got me. Yep, couldn't get her. Boy, I've always been a big fan of Martha Stewart. I I think I have I think I have too. I used to watch Amy and I used to watch her show. I, I you know, we didn't really make time for it. It would be like a flipping through the channels and when the Martha Stewart show was on, we'd watch. And it was like, and it sounds so dreadfully boring and it kind of is, except that it's like, it's like so boring that it like wraps around and is like fascinating. And (laughs) and she is such an interesting person. She's so clearly like an obsessive compulsive nerd. She's a, you know, in her own way, a design nerd. And it, it, it's like, there are so many ways on her show where she just does not try to hide it, that she's a very, you know, like I could, I don't think that her and Steve Jobs were pals, but I think that, that you know, they, in a way that he was sort of a nut, that she's a nut in the same ways, and it was just fascinating. Yeah, actually, and thinking about it, she, I mean, she went to jail because, I mean, I'm assuming she probably had multiple chances to settle that. You know, I don't remember about that if she could settle. I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. she really she got trying, screwed though. She really did. She did get. I think she got screwed too. But and so maybe they were trying to make an yeah, example. Yeah, I of think her. that. I don't know that she had a chance to settle. I really don't. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's true. But yeah, you'd think that. I don't know. You'd think from was it the SEC's point of view, you you, you don't look good sending Martha to jail. Yeah, you, you would, but I don't know. The SEC doesn't really seem to show much interest in sending, no. sending the people who should go to jail to jail. Exactly. <laughs> There's a sort of inmates <laughs> running the asylum aspect to the SEC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that, maybe that's it. It's like she, she's not one of them, really. She's not a yeah. – she's an entertainer, right. not a – One of my favorite things about the, the old Martha Stewart show, Amy uh, – my wife has a a terrific um, margarita recipe, but it's really just it's it's just a, a 
slightly tweaked version of and and she and Amy admits it that we got from Martha Stewart. And it's like you would think, you really, you're going to get a margarita recipe from Martha Stewart? But it's fantastic. <laughs> Number one, it is, I think, literally three quarters tequila. It's like three <laughs> parts tequila to uh, like a quarter part uh, yeah. fresh lime and orange lime juice. juice. Well, I mean, there's yeah. orange in it, too. Oh. And it really, and that's it's mostly lime, but uh, a little bit of, I think, orange juice. I think. I forget. But it's all fresh squeezed and three quarters tequila. And... uh it was like who knew, but that actually is sort of the key to uh, to a good margarita. Served in hand blown glass, yeah, that, of course, on a, on a doily <laughs> right. that you made yourself, <laughs> right? And then when I made it, I was serving it out of like paper cups. <laughs> oh. So here's a good one. I loved it's. We're, I love this stuff. I love these the the, the analysts. You see the thing with the. Um, you know, Philip Elmer DeWitt has, has always seemed he does a good job of of sort of uh, in collecting my, that stuff. Yeah, like like yeah. like analyst specific claim chowder, and just sort of you know holding them to their predictions. And the thing with the iPhone five S and C is is you know how many were they going to sell in the opening weekend? And that you know for years Apple has you know I think every year every time the iPhones come out they've you know after the opening weekend they've announced how many they sold. And the Wall Street consensus was like five to six million, and there were you know a couple like uh, what's his name the TV guy, Ed uh, Munster, Gene Munster, was mm-hmm. calling for five or six million. <laughs> TV guy. Then Apple announces the number, and it's nine million. And instead of wow, we were wrong; they sold a lot more. It the the it was oh well, they didn't really sell nine million; they really <laughs> sold five or six million, which is what we said. And uh, there's like a bunch of them in a in a closet somewhere or on a store shelves <laughs> or something like that. Or I think like what I think what the wall street journal did was said, Oh yeah, they sold that many, but you have to back out all these other ones. These <laughs> First of all, you have to take out China. Yeah, China doesn't count. China doesn't count because they just went into China. Yeah. So that doesn't um, count. That doesn't count. Um, the fact that they're selling two new phones. So you got to take out the C because yeah, that doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't count. So when you take out all these other things, then the sales are are not that impressive anymore. Even though the numbers that they were calling for before they announced them, they didn't say, "Oh, and we're not counting the five C; <laughs> we're only counting the five S." They just they. <laughs> That's what makes it so comical to me. Like you know, I hate to be wrong. I really do. I've said before, like if there's you know, uh, the whole point of daring fireball is to write about great products and to try never to be wrong. And, but I fail. I do. I mean, it's human. So I'm wrong sometimes. And you know what I do when I'm wrong? I say, okay, I was wrong. Here's why. And you know what? It's great. It's like such a relief. Just say it. Just try it sometime. Yeah. I was wrong. It's so comical. <laughs> it is a good question, though. Like, like there is. And, and again, I, I think that these guys, you know, clearly were wrong because they were calling out total iPhone sold for the weekend in their predictions. But I do think it is an interesting question as to what the split is between the 5S and the 5C and how how does that compare to previous years? Like last year, just one year ago, when the iPhone 5 went on sale, did they sell a lot of the then-year-old 4S because of the discount applied to the 4S over the same weekend? 
I tend to think no. I tend to think that right. the, the, you know, especially when they were just year old and two year old models at the lower price points, that those just sold to people as they, on a regular schedule, you know, like when they decided to buy a new phone, they go in the store and get it. Whereas the people who actually know, hey, the new iPhone goes on sale today at nine o'clock, they're all interested in the top of the line one. Yeah. People don't go wait in line to buy it. You know. But this is the first time you could actually have some kind of indication about how well that second tier sold. Well, how because good, first how? of all, they're in, well, they're included in the numbers now. Mm -mm. Mm. They're included in the new numbers. I'm assuming. Well, oh, or, or well, I mean, I wonder. Apple's does Apple include? I guess they probably do. They probably include the 4s too, don't they? Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but anyway, even if they're, yeah, it, it, even if they're throwing the 4s in there as well, uh, can't couldn't you? Tell this one from Localytics tried to do a web analysis to see how many, you know, what the percentage of five C's on the web was versus five S's. Huh. And yeah. I think they came up with something like, I'll have to go back and look. It was like a four to like one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, I don't know how they did that though, because I, I, well, maybe I'm wrong. I actually don't even know what like those in app analytics packages can see like yeah i don't know that either but like, i'm assuming that they figured it out somehow yeah like you could you could run some tests on like the cpu speed or something and know that you're running on an a7 instead of an a6 but i don't know but it's not going to tell you the exact model right i don't know how you would be able to d tell a 5c apart from a plain old 5 which is really what it looks like internally i don't know yeah. maybe there's some way the other thing i didn't i didn't link to their thing because i don't trust those in-app analytics stats all that much because no i don't i, I don't either because i i question the sort of apps that include them like i feel like a lot of the apps i use right. don't don't use sketchy ad-based analytics because i don't use apps that have ads and well you guys you guys use that right oh well, vesper and vesper <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's loaded up with uh We just uh, we everything. We just have all those. It's yeah, it's really should, only about that's, 100. No, that's a good call. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, you don't get good data. Right. <laughs> yeah, we track your location. <laughs> uh, all not true. All not true. We should be very clear about that. Uh, but I, you know, I just don't know. I would love. You know, I, I didn't, but I, that was funny too, though, because all those people jumped on the fact that after the 5C went on pre order the week before, that Apple didn't announce anything about those numbers. But like I wrote when, when that became like a little mini scandal and, and everybody jumped, or not everybody, but the, the pessimists jumped to the conclusion that they must be bad because otherwise they'd, they'd promote them, that there's no way they were going to break out the 5S from 5C because they don't want competitors to know that. Yeah. The other thing that Philip Elmer DeWitt points out is that all these analysts are going nuts about this, and none of the other smartphone companies ever just – they don't even say how many phones they've sold, period. Samsung doesn't say how many phones they've sold. They, every once in a while they do, right? They, but it's, the, it's like out of context, it's, or it's right. like you can't really pin yeah, them it's down. It's not the same. It. It's not the same. And then there's, there's the whole question about them doing shipments as opposed to sales. And, yeah. I mean, which – they sh 
yeah, they don't know exactly when this phone gets sold anyway. But you know, when Apple sells a sells a phone from its store, it's sold. Right. And one the other thing too is that clearly a you know, this the stores just like like with Dalrymple last week on the show, like if you wanted to get one on Friday, you should have gone to an Apple store, not the carrier stores, because that's where the stores that are getting the most of them. And Apple doesn't count those as sold until customers have sold them. Like they do count like when they when they ship a box of brand new iPhones to a Verizon wireless retail store, those count as sold because Verizon takes the phones and gives Apple money and they count as sold. And so if they are sitting unsold in the Verizon store, they haven't been sold to customers yet. But the ones that go to the Apple stores, they don't they don't count until you have until somebody buys it. And that's also true for the as yet unshipped online orders. Right. And so like, I don't even know. It's like, I think the last I checked every single one of the five S's, every color, it just, when you go to order it online now, it doesn't give you a date. It just says October. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And I, cause I think that they're, I I, I don't know. I feel like they can't even, they just don't want to estimate. Um, But that means that, you know, however many people, and I'm sure it's probably millions right now have ordered online a new 5S and it isn't yet in their hands and it's, you know, coming in October, but those won't count as sold in Apple by Apple until, you know, you actually ship, have it in your hand. Yeah. Um, I actually went to the carrier store because, because I was switching from AT&T to Verizon and I didn't know Mm. how well Apple Mm. would be able to deal with that. Um, but also because I mean, I walked right up. That was the other thing. Huh? And I wasn't getting, I was, I got a 16 gig, black you know or space gray so I, I knew i was getting a phone that they were most likely to have if i was trying to get if i was trying to get white or gold i certainly wouldn't have gone there but i figured oh 16 gig black or, you know, space gray they're gonna have that and and sure enough you know and i went i went and i got my phone and i walked by the apple store after that and there was still a line <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't huge but there was still a line like 30 people long. So in other words, you're saying the phone. you're saying me and Dalrymple gave you bad advice. Uh, I didn't listen to you guys until after I already had my phone anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. I mean, if you're listening as you walk home with your <laughs> iPhone in your hand, as you, as you went by the, the line, I just, I just think, it, I think it depends. It depends on what you're, what you're looking for. and what you, what you're trying to accomplish. I was, uh, I was at the, um, the XOXO uh, in Portland last weekend. Yeah. Uh, now I already I was you know the the jerk who already had a 5s because I had the review unit from Apple and I had the gold one you know so I could actually prove that I had the new one. Uh, so all I did was, but I I did I've bought my own personal one, Space Gray, but I ordered online because uh, there was no way I was getting up and getting in the line. Uh, right. Uh, but I ordered right at like midnight oh one, like when my phone said twelve oh oh. Put down my drink. I opened up the Apple Store app, which I think is the best way to do it. I opened up the app and it said, "You want to? Re- I want to replace this phone, the phone I'm using, with a new one. Here's the one I want." And click like two more buttons, and then it said, "Okay, your order is placed. It'll be there in one to three days." Wait, are you're saying it knew which phone you had? Yes, the Apple when you. I, and I did this, I think, before too. Um, 
But when you order a new iPhone using the Apple Store app on uh-huh. your iPhone, it'll offer, you know, do you want a new phone or do you want to replace this very phone? And, you know, gave me my phone number. And I said, yes, I want to replace this phone. And then the phones that came, because Amy got one too, it's really, it's really slick. The phone comes, it, you know, and it came Wednesday. So that was three days, three business days. Uh, you open it up. And it already says, like, this phone is going to replace, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Swipe here and it'll become, you know, your you know, your, your phone number will move over. And you do that and it, uh, I guess, it, what do they call that process? Activates. And then as soon as it does, your old phone is no longer has a service and your new phone has your phone number. Huh. It's really pretty slick. I wonder if, they, if they'll one day do, like, a tap to, <laughs> tap to replace. <laughs> like know. with the like with the Apple TV, yeah. Bump the phone. tap to tap to set it up. Yeah, tap bump to it to set it up. Yeah. I guess you can do that when you order online on the website too. But you just have to enter. You have to enter like your Verizon account info, and then it lists your phone numbers. It's just so much easier, especially like if you really kind of want to get it fast and you want to kind of order within a minute or two. You know, it's almost, it's almost like getting WWDC tickets. You know. Uh, <laughs> It's so much. It, you just save so many steps when you say replace this phone, right? Somebody else was with us uh, where we were, where Amy and I were ordering them, and uh, uh, I forget what happened, but she, you know, it took her an extra couple of minutes, and in the in the interim, like the shipping time, and she got like the same phone that Amy did, the gold one, and it it was like days later, like estimated arrival. So, I mean, they did go fast. So, if you use the app and your last name is Gruber. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that had You get it do. super fast. I don't think that had anything to do with it. <laughs> right to the front of the line. <laughs> Phil Schiller shows up with it. <laughs> he helps set you up. He makes sure your iCloud is backed up. So you so you did the switch. How'd that work? How'd that go for you? Uh, pretty well. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I'm afraid to to see my AT and T bill because I'm I'm breaking. Oh, I got that bill last year. I'm breaking contract, but um, but my wife was on. We were both on AT and T. I was on AT and T for like oh my god, fifteen years. Yeah, that's what I was something like, like that. And and we just we've never gotten very good reception in in the house here. And she's running her business off of her phone, so she's like. We tried, we, you know, we tried a microcell, and it kept yeah. dropping us off the microcell. And finally, we were just like, you know what, this is, this is dumb. I mean, she was getting, you know, calls from clients who were getting, they were going to voicemail. So, so she she jumped a few months ago, and and I, so we could keep the same network. It went pretty well for me. As I yeah. recall, it was sort of a hassle, and it was certainly a lot harder than just upgrading. Yeah, place. I mean, I said I'd stand at the counter for a while and give them like ten thousand pieces of information, but right. but it worked. Do you think ordering in in a store was the way to go? Well, I th- I just thought since I was switching networks that it would right. be because I don't I just don't imagine that they're that equipped to handle that at the Apple Store, but I never tried it. I, I don't know if AT and T has something like this now too, but I know with Verizon we have a pretty, a pretty nice shared data plan. Yeah, where you just pick how many gigabytes you want for the as many phones as you have, and I even have like my iPad on it. 
Right. And so instead of paying separately for the iPad, it, it's just one collective pool of, of data. And they're, uh, they give you good warnings in advance. And as long as you up, move it up, like if you're going to go over, if you have six gigabytes collectively and you get close, you can go up to eight and you don't pay any penalty for that. You just pay the prorated thing. And then next month you can take it back down to six or whatever you were at. So like, like mm-hmm. over the summer, like I watched a lot of, uh, uh, baseball games on the iPad and I, I did have to move the data up, but it didn't, you know, it was nice. I well, you won't going. have that problem that and shortly. Why is that? Oh, watching <laughs> baseball games. <laughs> Boy, that's something we should, we'll get back to that after I should do a sponsor okay. break and then I'll, okay. cause I'm going to get weepy. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask you <sighs> get, weepy. get, get the sponsor break out before you start. Yeah. Sobbing like a, like a little kitty. Let me tell you, our first sponsor is Transporter. File Transporter. Sometimes they call it Transporter. Sometimes they call it File Transporter. But whatever you call it, it's a really, really great device. Uh, it's from the people behind Drobo. They've even like gotten back together with them. They were they were engineers from Drobo. They went off and they built this, and now the Drobo's company has acquired them. Ah, oh, is that right? Yeah, and it's... It's just such a great service. And I, I can't help but think, in hindsight, to launch this product in 2013 is the most amazing, you know, it's just brilliant for them. And I'll get to that in a second. Because what is File Transporter? Think of it more or less as your own personal Dropbox. They, you buy from them a device, little tiny, cute thing. It's a network storage thing. You put it in your house, you put it in your office. It takes one small hard drive. You can buy from them. And it'll come with a hard drive, or you could buy one with no hard drive. If you're a nerd, and I know there's a lot of you out there, buy your own hard drive and put it in. Uh, and then what do you have? It's like your own little personal Dropbox. Not with the cloud. There is no place where File Transporter has servers out there that store your data. Your data is on the device that you have in your house, on your office, wherever. So you can do things like put one of them in your house, put one of them in your office, and have one collective shared pool of stored data backed up in both places. So if, you know, roof leaks in your house and and, uh, drenches the one, the one in your office still has your data. All of your devices, anywhere you go, can share it. Uh, With people you know who have file transporter accounts, which are free, you can, just like with Dropbox or something like that, you could share a file with them or give them access to a shared folder. and why do I say that 2013 is such a great year to launch something like this? Well, you know, all the crazy NSA snooping and U.S. government surveillance of, of cloud-type services, uh, you know, that's a big deal for people. I mean, the whole point of it in the outset was to keep your data, your private data, private and have your, your stuff on your device. Uh, File Transporter lets you do that and still have access to it, like from your iPhone, anywhere you go. But you know where the data is stored. It's really it, it works great, and their their 2.0 software, which just came out like last month, uh, it was already good right away. Uh, the 1.0, but the 2.0 added a whole bunch of features that everybody was asking for. And so, if you looked at the 1.0 software, uh, but haven't looked at it since, you really really should take another look. It's a great great um, update. Where do you go to find out more? Easy. Here's what you do. 
you go to filetransporter.com slash talk, T-A-L-K. That'll let them know you came from the show, and it'll set you up for a nice discount on whatever model you buy. So go to filetransporter.com slash talk and find out more. It's high on my wish list. It's pretty slick. Yeah. You have a lovely beverage? I do. I think mine goes the uh, opposite way on the stimulant and depressant um, chart than yours, but yes, I do. Well, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Mm -hmm. All right, baseball. Oh, my God. (laughs) So I just watched watched that video. So as we record, it's Friday, the 27th of, of September, and last night at Yankee Stadium was the last game that Mariano Rivera is going to play for Yankee, well, at Yankee Stadium. And, uh, you know, Yankee season has really just gone to shit in the last three weeks. I mean, they were in it against all odds with the crazy amount of injuries they've had this year. But they were really in the hunt, and when they really just needed – they didn't even need to play that great, but they've you know, really shit the bed. And so they're out of the playoffs. They're not – I mean, I, I think that the uh, the last time there was a baseball game at Yankee Stadium – where the Yankees weren't in playoff contention, at least, was 1993. I mean, that's a hell of a run. Uh, so they're out of it. And so really the only thing at stake is that two of the great Yankees are, are retiring this year, Mariano Rivera and, and Andy Pettit. And, you know, Mariano is the bigger deal. And I, I, yeah. I don't know. Didn't I, Pettit retire already once? Yeah, he retired in yeah. 2010. Yeah, after they won the World Series in 2009. Right. And, then, and then he was gone for a year and then and then missed it and came back. Uh, and it's been great. I mean, the most one of the most remarkable things about the Yankees this year, they've had a lot of pitching problems, but a- uh, Andy Pettit, who's 41, has been, at, especially in the second half of the season, by far their most reliable pitcher. And Mariano Rivera is 43. I think he's – because Jamie Moyer is gone. He's like literally the oldest guy in Major League Baseball yeah. uh, and had another fantastic all-star caliber season. I mean, he was ama- – I mean, it was absolutely not like he couldn't play again. I mean, he's walking away at 43, still literally at the top of his game. But it was amazing because everybody wanted to see him. And so even though the Yankees are out of the playoffs, which usually means that Yankee Stadium just empties right out. <laughs> I mean, Yankee fans are only there for one thing and one thing only, and that's to see some championships. Uh, it was a sellout, total sellout. Uh, really wish that I could have been there. And it was it was just like a big, like an Irish uh, Irish funeral at the end. Everybody was just slobbering, crying. And, and, <laughs> Really kind of amazing. And they did. They handled it. Yeah. I thought they handled it amazingly. Yeah, no, it was very nice. I, I mean, even someone who does not particularly, who is not particularly a Yankee fan, it's a nice moment in baseball. Anytime a guy, it's like, we'll never get that in our careers where we get to walk out no. <laughs> and wave well, to and a whole crowd of people even, to say goodbye. So few athletes even do because, yeah. you know, usually they play until they're past you know, past their expiration date and they, you know, or they make the decision in the off season, you know, and they don't get that. What they did. And, and for those of you who aren't baseball fans, I apologize. But the way that it goes, <laughs> is if you're a pitcher and, a, and they're going to make a pitching change and take you out and put another pitcher in the manager of the team comes out to the mound, takes the ball from your hand 
It's like a symbolic gesture. I don't think the rules actually stipulate you have to take the ball from your hand, but that's just what it's done. It's, you know, manager or at any other league, you know, level, the coach comes out, takes the ball from your hand, you leave the mound, and then they call in the guy who's going to replace you. Um, and Mariano Rivera, as the, the closer, he's always the last pitcher. He comes in and nobody takes the ball from him. Um, and so when he got to two outs in the ninth, uh, the Yankees manager, Joe Girardi, uh, instead of coming out, he sent two players out. He sent Derek Jeter and, and Andy Pettit out. And Jeter and Pettit took the ball from Mo. And they all did, three of them just broke down crying. Actually, Jeter was laughing, but that's <laughs> Jeter. Uh, and it was, I've never seen anything like that before. There's no, nobody else who you could, you know, I don't even know who could have done that before. Uh, but it was really just kind of amazing. Part of what was amazing too, is the catcher is a guy named J.R. Murphy. I think he's like 22 years old. So he's a young kid. They're only really playing him because he's sort of like a test to see, you know, let's see what the kids got. But at 22 years old, that means when he was born, the day he was born, Mariano Rivera was already in the Yankee minor leagues. <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy like this kid like mariano rivera was in the yankee minor leagues playing professional baseball for the yankee organization on the day the kid was born and then he's the guy who got to catch you know mariano rivera's last appearance and on his face if you watch that video the the murphy's face he looks like what you think you would look like like he just looks like oh my god i'm i'm i, I can't believe that i'm here i was crying I don't think I've cried in years. I don't. I couldn't remember. I was thinking about it. I don't remember the last time I've shed a tear. I was watching it. I was. I was tears coming down my face. Tears of laughter. No, oh, tears. It was terrible. I mean, you're never going to see Mo again. Well, he's got. And uh, you know what? And there's a certain. I mean, Mo at Yankee Stadium. The thing that to me is a little ignominious is now the Yankees have like three totally meaningless games against yeah. the Houston Astros. <laughs> Which is just, it's just, it just doesn't seem right. It just seems like no. the, 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 that they, sh you know, I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. But I don't know, because they are meaningless and they don't have playoff implications. The, the rumor is that Mo wants to play center field. So there might, he might play an inning or two in center field down in, in Astros. That would be something to see. Really? Yeah. Totally Is that true. Right? He's well. You know how he, he. You remember when he hurt his knee last year? He ripped a ligament in his knee for years. His whole career, he likes to shag flies. He's and that's like how he gets his workout in. How he stays in shape is before every game. Uh, he's out with the outfielders and always has been his whole career, catching long, you know, running down fly balls and catching him. And the word has always been that when he was like in the minor leagues. Uh, that a lot of the Yankees scouts thought he was one of the best outfield. I don't know if he was ever a good hitter. I don't know if he could hit, but defensively, you know, and athletically, he was always considered, you know, maybe one of the best in the whole system. Uh, and he's always said like, and nobody could tell if he's joking or not, that before he retires, he'd like to play a little center field for the Yankees. And so, you know, the, the, they've at, they asked Joe Girardi <laughs> and he said, maybe. <laughs> So well, why not? Houston Astros. At this point. Kind of crazy. You know, the season's, season's basically over. Right. And you couldn't so. do that. Like, see, they were playing the Tampa Bay Rays last night. And the Tampa Bay Rays are in the wild card chase. So, like, every game they play means something. So, even right. if you, right. the you're Yankees playing, are Yeah, out. you're playing Houston. Houston's not. <laughs> right. 
Uh, there was also a kid who came in, had, who, you know, who's the guy who replaces Mo? And he was just some like no name kid. I, I mean, I watch a lot of Yankees games, a kid named Daly, I think, uh, came in and threw three pitches and struck the next guy out. And it was like, man, I don't, and I, you know, I, I don't think, cause it was four nothing Tampa. I don't think that the guy purposefully struck out. I, you know, I, you know, I think the pro baseball players, you know, everybody was there for Mo, but you try to win. Uh, but I mean, talk about like nobody really wanting to see him pitch. You know, it's like he did the right thing, <laughs> threw three pitches and got the hell off. <laughs> it's kind of nice. Uh, what's the deal with the Mariners? Are they in the wild card? Oh God! <laughs> Is anybody listening still? Ugh. Hey, we talked about Martha Stewart for a while. That's, yeah. I wonder if Martha Stewart likes who aren't baseball. baseball fans. I wonder if Martha Stewart likes baseball. Probably not. Uh, probably, I would imagine not. Yeah. But never you know. never know. She likes uh, tequila. Wouldn't That's have, right. Wouldn't have expected that. Yeah. A lot of tequila, apparently. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you <laughs> did about she, it. Did she make that up after uh, that recipe up after she got out of jail? <laughs> no, no. This was a long time ago. This was like <laughs> oh, in the, right. like right. the maybe the late 90s or <laughs> like around year 2000 or something. <laughs> she, she got a real hankered for bathtub gin after she got out of <laughs> Out of prison. <laughs> right. I think after prison, maybe she had like recipes for how to make your own tequila. <laughs> how to make your own tequila out of things you can get in a prison uh, cafeteria. Potato. <laughs> All right. uh, Dirty rag. Why, why, what is the, what's the, what do they, what do they make prison liquor out of? Do they make it out of potatoes? I guess pot- anything that would oh, ferment, I should, get, right? I, should uh, I should ask my wife. She, I'm sure she knows. Yeah, she probably does. <laughs> my wife is a private investigator. That's why I said it. Not that my <laughs> wife is, she has actually been to prison many times, but uh, just like in Monopoly, the just, the just visiting area. Yeah. They should, that should be like the new hipster thing. You know how like a lot of the people are making their own beer Oh yeah, yeah, right. And you make your own like prison. That's great. <laughs> Is it gin? I don't know. Gin seems like that'd be hard to make. It's, it's probably no. I mean, it's not really gin. Just, just some kind of gin would probably be putting on airs for what that is. Just some kind of unclassifiable. It's, yeah. <laughs> Rot gut. Rot gut. Moonshine. Moonshine's probably a even. Classier, too, probably too classy, but probably yeah, because it bit, seems but. like moonshine. It whenever you know, my my experience watching it be made is watching the Dukes of Hazard, frankly. But <laughs> it just seemed to me like it requires a pretty significant apparatus. You know, yeah. there's, there's these you know these crazy thing with tubes and tinctures and glass uh, bubbly things. You know, like a science lab type thing, right? Prison, you need you just need something you can hide <laughs> it's, in. A, it's got to be. <laughs> Something you could. Oh, they only got they got they got like a little tiny sink in there, yeah. and they have a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm not sure that's going to catch on. We laugh, but if you and I got sent to prison together, you know we'd set to work on. Oh make, my god! Oh yeah, sense. that would be the first thing I did. I think we. I might take it as an opportunity to to maybe dry out. I think for about a day, <laughs> and I think we. <laughs> I think we would. I don't think we'd have to say anything to each other. I think we could just look at each other, and we'd be like, you know, yeah, all right. You know, but from now on, nobody goes in the toilet in the cell. 
<laughs> we go in the yard. Right. <laughs> Pack it out. Speaking of prison liquor, let me tell you about our second sponsor, Mail Route. I always say Mail Route, but you could say Root. How do you pronounce the word R O U T? I I would say Route as well. I, to me, it's if I think I, you know, I say Root if it's Route sixty six. Exactly. I just don't want anybody confused about how to spell it. But you can yeah. pronounce it however you want. But it's Mail Route, and what are they? It's a great email service. It is for people who don't want to get involved with, let's say you're running your company's email and you don't want to deal with Google or Microsoft. You don't want to deal with Google apps. You don't want to deal with uh, Office 365 for Microsoft. Uh, You want to have more control over the service, the email service that you're offering to your team, your group. It could be small groups, big groups, whatever. They design tools that make the lives of system admins easier. That's what they do. That's the whole point is if you're in charge of email for your domain name, your company, your group, these guys want to make your job easier. All of it while efficiently delivering clean email. Uh, Totally innovative, very innovative and most interesting. And this is the part that I think appeals to the, you know, the nerd group out there, people who are going to take jobs as system admins. It's fully customizable. So you don't want the gray listing feature which is sort of an anti-spam type thing, forget it. You can turn it off. Checkbox. Uh, you have, you say you manage a practice of doctors and they don't want to receive email from anybody. They only, only want to receive email from uh, like a, a set address book, like let's say of their customers. You can do that. They blacklist anybody who's not in a list that you provide them. So you could do something like that. Uh do you want minimum filtering and just forward everything? You could do that. Do you want them to use their spam expertise to filter the email before it goes through? You can do that. Uh, they had a group. Here's the thing. They have a case study. They had a group that before they signed up for MailRoute, they were using 11 mail servers. They switched to MailRoute. Email goes through MailRoute first, takes about a second or two, then it goes onto your server. After they switched to MailRoute, uh, they dropped from 11 mail servers to three. And two of the three they only had on for redundancy because they already had them. They could have, by just by sheer traffic alone, could have dropped from 11 mail servers to one. It's an enormous value and a great service. And this is all these guys do. All these guys do. It's right there in their name. Mail. All they do is specialize in email. Uh, it's a great, great service. And I know a whole bunch of people have signed up for it from the show, and they've, I've gotten a lot of email, and they're like, holy shit, this thing really makes my life easier. Uh, now, what do they do? It's, it's not like a hardware or software thing that you buy or install. You sign up for a service. You switch your DNS MX records to point to theirs first, and then it goes through their service, and then it goes on to yours. It takes about like an extra second to deliver your email. Works for anybody from groups of one or two to 200,000. Uh, I, I made that number up. Probably works for a million people. I don't know. Uh, they have a great focus on admins. They have um, JSON APIs. So if you're like a de- you know a developer, you can automate the management of your email filtering with your own code. You can write code to do it instead of just going through theirs. Uh, just can't say enough good things about MailRoute. You can try it for free. Uh, go to MailRoute.net. M-A-I-L-R-O-U-T-E dot net slash the talk show. That way they'll know you came here from the show. 
You get a 15-day free trial. And using the promo code The Talk Show or just TTS, you get 10% off for the lifetime of your account. So you'll save money too. 15 days free, 10% off for lifetime using the code TTS. Uh, so my thanks to MailRoute for sponsoring the show once again. Great, great service. What else is going on? Uh, touch ID. That's pretty good. Well, yeah, what, what? I don't even know what to say. Have you uh, have you hacked a Touch ID yet? So when did that happen? It seemed like it blew up. It was and early it, this week, wasn't I, it? And as soon as it started blowing up, I was like, "Well, now we know what the overblown fake scandal for the <laughs> iPhone five is going to five S is going to be." <laughs> And then, like, the weirdest thing happened. It seemed like the internet collectively came to its senses. Yeah. I haven't seen anything really outrageous about that, particularly. It seems like everybody's like, you can you can do it. <laughs> but it's not exactly like everybody's going to be doing it. Like, is it interesting and- that you can that you can spoof a fingerprint? Like if, you know, what these guys did is they print they they like took a 2400 DPI fingerprint scan and then you use that to produce like a like a rubber fake fingerprint, put it over your own finger and then your finger, you know, can spoof that fingerprint. Uh I mean, it's, you know, it's not impossible, but it's, you know, it's kind of mission impossible You know, it's like a spy movie type thing. I mean, it takes expertise. Yeah, I mean, it takes some expertise. It's, yeah, it's it's sort of maker, like I said, I think I said maker skills kind of thing. It's a crafty, you have to be a little crafty. And, the, I mean, then the whole point is still that, even with that, Touch ID is still, it's obviously better than what Apple said, most people just don't use a passcode at all. Right. Or it's probably still even better than a simple passcode. Oh, I think it definitely is. I mean, I mean, you could argue about that, uh, about whether it's better than a simple passcode, but it's unquestionably better than none at all. I mean, and right. the bottom line is the only way, only thing they showed is that if you are being attacked by someone who has the expertise to make a 2400 DPI fake or a copy of your fingerprint that the sensor can be spoofed. Well, I, I mean, it's interesting, but I don't think that's surprising. You know, I, I, yeah, I don't. And I think calling it a hack is, is totally misleading. That seems, yeah, that seems like the wrong word, but I don't know of a better word. Spoof well, is probably, spoof or fool, yeah. you know, that you can spoof it yeah. with a fake fingerprint, uh, a, a high quality fake fingerprint. I really don't think, and you know, and, and I don't think that if I just handed over my phone to them, Right now, without having wiped it or anything, I, I don't think it's possible to just take a fingerprint from it that would that would be of high enough quality. I think you'd have to really kind of work to get a fingerprint of that quality. And even if I'm wrong, you're still talking about experts. It's not going to be of any help to someone who just steals or finds an iPhone. I think it depends. I, mean, I think I, I think there are. Yeah, I, I don't. Well, I didn't see the whole. I didn't watch the whole thing, but it doesn't. I mean, it seems like the kind of thing that you could follow and do if you really wanted to. But well, I, I, it, I, it doesn't seem like people. I don't know. Doesn't it seem like the people who steal a phone are much more interested in just getting the phone? Yeah, 
selling it they're for not parts that, or whatever. They're not that interested in getting your your data. Most most phone phone thieves are right. about the phone. Right. And you know, let's face it, for a lot of us it's really just a way to defend against uh somebody pooping you. Yeah, right. Right? <laughs> Right, by which I mean that there's a whole thing where people, if you leave your phone unattended, your your quote unquote friends will take it and go to your Twitter and then just write yeah. the word "pooping." Yeah. To fake to make it look as though while you were taking a poop, you you tweeted it. Yeah. And that's that was the example that I used because we've got this friend who I go out drinking with frequently, and I know what his passcode is just because I've seen him type it in so many times. Right. And he's got simple passcode turned on, so. And, and and he's and I see people doing this all the time. When they go to it's like a bunch of guys sitting around at the bar, they just leave their phone in the bar when they go to the bathroom. Right. And I don't do that. No, I don't do that either because I want to be on my phone while I'm in the bathroom. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I don't do that. I don't certainly. I, I don't know. I feel very uncomfortable when my phone is is yeah. uh, like laying. And plus, like I know those guys would try and you know would try and get you. into it. They'll poop in you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be interested. I mean, I'd, you know, be interested to see if anybody decides to make a big deal out of that because it doesn't seem like it's that big a deal. No, it doesn't. I do think it's interesting that some of the analysis of it, uh, you know, it, the the how secure is it, you know, argument aside, just in terms of is this a cool feature, a lot of it, you know, as people have kind of figured out more and more how this works, that a lot of it really comes down to the fact that Apple is designing its own system on a chips now, right? Like that that was a big change. And um, I, I remember thinking it was almost unusual how much, how proud Steve Jobs seemed of that when they first did it with what, the A4 processor? So what would that have been, uh, four years ago? So what yeah. was that? The first iPhone 4, right? Right. I think that's right. And, you know, I remember thinking it was more about Steve Jobs sort of being old school, you know, from back in the 70s and 80s when the semiconductor industry was new. And, and you know, that it was – it made him proud that Apple was doing a lot of that now on its own instead of just – getting getting parts from others um but i think part of in hindsight i think part of why it's why he was so proud about it is that it's enabling them to do features that they couldn't otherwise do that it really is part of the system on a chip design that there's this secure enclave where there's storage that is completely like technically inaccessible to the actual the regular operating system nothing in ios not even the root process can can access it um, and that's going to be, it's going to be hard to copy because it's, you know, chip design is like a years long process. Like, I think this is something that they started working on, you know, five years ago, maybe longer. Yeah. And it may not take five years for, you know, other companies to copy it, but it will take years. Do you like the uh, Touch ID? You use it? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the great things about it is that it lets me tur- turn on the comp- uh, turn off, I guess it's turn off simple passcode. Right. So now you have a, a a long passcode. I have a long passcode and I have it set to for the 
to be required to be unlocked immediately. Yes. Yeah. Totally. So I mean, so I think I mean, given those two things, I think my phone's more secure than it was. Yeah, I totally think so. It'll be interesting to see what happens if if somebody and it, maybe it's not even a question of if maybe it's you know we should admit that it's a question of when of somebody is going to have their phone unlocked against their will by this right you know I, you know and there's a good question about like what law enforcement can do like it, oh yeah you know that that your something like a password is considered like a in the U.S. like a First Amendment type thing. Like you can't, right. you you know, they can't say what's the password to your phone. You can just you know, ref, you're allowed to not answer a question. Are are you allowed to not have them physically force your thumb against the sensor? That's, you know, people. That's sort of an open question on that. Yeah, it's like a key where you can't claim a first amendment right to a key exactly. around a physical key like the key to your car right except that in this case it is your you know it's a little different than a key because it's you know it's your body so i don't know yeah. it's an open question and people are concerned about it and you know i think a lot of this comes down to who are you concerned about getting access to your phone you know and obviously you know this nsa stuff is on people's minds and rightly so i'm not saying that it shouldn't be but um in terms of like protecting you from government agencies, no touch ID probably is is uh, not going to stop anything. Um, but I, you know, again, against like your friends or your kids or just somebody who finds your phone in the back of a cab, right? Like you you lose your phone in a cab. Uh, touch ID is going to work great. Yeah. I use it all the time. How many fingers did you set it up with? Um, toes. I just used toes. <laughs> I said um, three. I think. I think really I said three. I didn't. Both really. my thumbs. And then I actually used my. Uh, why am I telling you this? I shouldn't say this. Huh? <laughs> well, I <laughs> guess someone's so. going to come. Now someone's going to come in the middle of the night and cut my thumbs off. <laughs> I'm not telling you. Forget it. I'm switching my fingers right now. <laughs> There was this, I don't know, I guess this is a terrible rat hole, but my parents had this had this book, this German book that was trying to teach kids uh, manners from the 1800s. I have no idea how they got this book, but we had this book lying around growing up. And one of the stories, one of these horrible German stories from the mid-1800s was, I think it's, I think it's pronounced Der Struhlpeter. And it was this, the mother goes out. This is because that's what they did back then. They just left the kids at home. So she goes out to the go grocery shopping or whatever, and she tells the kid, don't suck your thumb or their strudel pizza will come get you. <laughs> and so, of course, the minute the woman goes out the door, the kid starts sucking his thumb. And this guy bursts into the door and he's got these huge scissor hands. <laughs> and he snips the kid's thumbs off. <laughs> And the kid is just sitting there crying with no thumbs. And that's the and that's the moral of the story. <laughs> Don't suck your thumbs or some crazy crazy long German man with scissor hands name. is gonna cut your thumbs off. That's pretty rough. That was that was mid eighteen hundred uh parenting. That's pretty rough. <laughs> Probably in the- You can look it up you can look that up on the web. It's there's they've uh 
a lot of places like Boing Boing and yeah. uh, like Laughing Squid have have uh, published. I wonder if it's that. the case if you go back a hundred years, if it always looks like we were pretty terrible to our kids. Like maybe in 1850, when they were using this book to teach kids not to suck their thumbs, a hundred years prior to that, maybe they actually cut <laughs> off the kids' thumbs, and they're like, "Can you believe that we used to actually do this to the kids?" And there's like, you we know, didn't like, have modern parenting technology that would right, and, allow us to convey to the children that their thumbs would be cut off. Right, and grandpa had to actually cut the thumbs off. Grandpa, who grew up then, is in the corner, and he, you know, he's <laughs> missing a thumb. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it hurt like hell. <laughs> I cannot work in the fields. Did you see this thing with uh, Stephen Elop and, and the contract? Yeah, that was the other thing on my list. <laughs> so, the, like, long story short, and this to me is why who's got who's got two thumbs and twenty five million dollars? <laughs> <laughs> Who? Uh, it was long rumored by you know, like especially Nokia fans. So the. Uh, when, when Nokia hired him, he came from Microsoft, and then shortly after he got there, he said, okay, my evaluation is uh, we're screwed on smartphone operating systems. Ours is no good. The one we've been working, you know, Symbian's no good. This, the, whatever, the Mebo, whatever it was they were working on, not going to cut it. We're going to go to Windows 7. And so everybody was like, hmm, we hire a guy from Microsoft. He comes in, and he switches us to Windows Phone. This seems to me like this guy was a mole. Uh, maybe his plan is to run Nokia in the ground and then have Microsoft buy them. Well, then it turns out this week that his contract was structured such that, well, just in case uh, Nokia gets cash-strapped and their business goes down, and because they're cash-strapped, they have to sell the company to, say, or their maybe their handset business to, say, Microsoft. Well, if that happens, we'll give you a $25 million bonus. <laughs> And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Uh, and then to top that off, I guess because it's it's such a true scandal in in um, what Finland? Where, Finland? where are they? Yeah, yeah. Finland. Because Nokia is, you know, it's, rightly so, you know, that's the pride of Finland, you know, uh, and it's a big, you know, it's a big company worldwide, but it's certainly a bigger deal in Finland. It is a scandal over this, and so the board apparently went to him and asked him, "Well, would you give that bonus back?" <laughs> and his answer is that he can't because he's getting his divorce and his wife won't let him. <laughs> I don't know how that. <sighs> it's a shocker. So he's already so he's gotten he's already gotten the money. I he's guess received. I guess or whatever or else or it's it, you know it's or it, stock or whatever it is. You know, either he's gotten it or he's legally going to get it. Then there's nothing they could do unless he volunteered to, you know, turn it down or, or renegotiate or something. The thing with the wife is interesting to me on two fronts. On a personal level, the fact that he was willing to publicly throw her under the bus it makes it a lot less surprising that she wants to divorce him in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> but the second part is I don't blame her at all. Right, she didn't run Nokia into the ground. As you know, the his wife, she is legally entitled to half the money. So you know, why in the world should she let turn it down? It's you know, to me, yeah, it's not, yeah. Nokia, the dumbass Nokia board's fault for agreeing to a right. contract like that. Right. It it just seems like a crazy thing to put in a contract. Like it would be like if you were hiring a new coach of your team and you rewarded losing a record number of games. Just in case we only win 10 ball games <laughs> in one of the next three seasons, you'll get a bonus. 
Like, why would you put why would you put a bonus like that in? I guess it was structured in language that made it seem like a golden parachute, right? Like, yeah. if the handset right. business is acquired, you know, if you the board approve a handset sale, I get a big bonus. But you know, doesn't it logically seem like uh, the only way that the handset business would get sold is if you do a pretty bad job running it? I guess the yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe the idea is that if you look at it the other way, that his compensation, you know, if he had done a if he had done a good job and not run the company into the ground, his compensation would have been a lot more. I I guess I don't know. It just certainly doesn't. yeah I, yeah right. I mean, you could. It leaves a bad taste because in for mouth. you know, I mean, if some of these packages, twenty five million is not really that big, and it really does. I mean, you know, it it. I never thought it sounded crazy. It's not, you know, the Kubrick fake the moon landings crazy. It's just, you know, like, hmm, I don't know. That's kind of a conspiracy. The idea that he was a Microsoft mole from the beginning. But, you know, now that they're actually selling the handset unit to Microsoft, it, it you know, it's kind of like, well, call it a conspiracy or what you will. It's, you know, it's what happened. And it certainly hasn't been good for, like, Nokia shareholders or customers. No. So my inter- I'm interested to know what Nokia, the company, is going to do after this. Yeah. There's, I mean, they're buying their mobile services. Right. Microsoft is buying their mobile services business, and Nokia is still a company in Finland. Yeah, I don't know what they. I don't know what other businesses they. There have. was some, I, and I forget who mentioned this on Twitter. Somebody like, maybe it was Neely Patel. Uh, said somebody mentioned this in comments or something on The Verge. It may not have been The Verge, but I can't remember. Um, that Nokia would go and buy HTC and then start making Android phones. Hmm. Which I thought was interesting. I'm not sure if that really helps them, but... Hmm. I don't know. It, but it gets, back to that, it gets back to that whole question about what they should have done in the first place. It's like a their chance for a do-over yeah although you know four years too late or whatever it was three years how long was it how long ago was that that they ditched it's like I, three years yeah it was pretty fast in the grand scheme of things yeah i, I mean because it, it, it had to be like three years because the iphone's only been out six years and it was you know the whole thing was you know precipitated by the rise of um and windows phone hasn't been around that long no I think two years. Is that right? No, I think it's. I think it's been longer than that. But three years. Yeah. Yeah, I would think it's been three years. Yeah. <laughs> they keep saying, <laughs> keep saying it's gonna it's gonna take over Android. <laughs> 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 I should go back and find that one again. Every once in a while, I pull that one out. And that's probably a worse. That's probably one of the worst claim chowders ever because it's so. <laughs> It's so bad, and it but it's it so is what off. they wanted, right? That you know, and it's so directly comparable, you know, that you know some of the Android to iPhone comparisons are so tough because Android is just an OS that they license to other people to make, and uh, iPhone is all Apple. Whereas Windows Phone is it's an OS that they license to handset makers to make. Like Windows Phone and Android are couldn't be more direct competitors. Right and and what was it like? I forget who it was like by 2014 yeah. it was going to be yeah it was, that's the funny that's the yeah because it was by the end of this year yeah it's they, coming up that uh, one of those um, firms had speculated that 
You know, and it's uh, even I worse. Got, I, got, I, got, I got it here. All right, you got it? Uh, hang on a sec. Well, it's it's even worse than the infamous claim chowder by Eric Schmidt, who like a year ago said that by the middle of the next summer, half the TV sold in America were going to have Google TV yeah. hooked up to them. Now, that's yeah. bad, and he was wrong. I mean, nobody even talks about Google TV anymore. I mean, they've... But at least you know. Then he he's per, he's trying to push his own company. I mean, that's you know that's you could call that marketing. That's what he's yeah, supposed, and you that's can what also, he's supposed to do. And he was whereas in, this was a this was an analyst. This is pyramid research uh, right. analyst Stella Boken said that uh, Windows Phone is poised to overtake Android's massive market share as soon as 2013. And this was this was back in 2011, May of 2011. It's like. Yeah, you should have known. With, you should have known by then. <laughs> with Eric Schmidt, he was public. He was on stage being interviewed, and you know, I think he sort of has a tendency to to run his mouth a little bit. He was shooting from the hip, you know. Right. And maybe as soon as he said it, he was like, ah, "I don't know why I said that, but to hell with it. I'm, I'm promoting the you know, like you said. He's he's a spokesman for the company, whereas this is supposed to be a measured, well considered research report. Right. Right. This is our analysis. This is why you should you should pay our company. To provide research for you, because we're so good, we're so smart. We understand the market. Yeah, and, and I really, I have to believe that they think that a lot of these companies think that they just need to get their name out there, and so they need to say something crazy in order to get their name out there. But I just, I can never figure out exactly how they reconcile that with looking like idiots for saying something that's so obviously not going to happen. I don't get it. Let no, me tell you about the third that. sponsor. These guys are great. It's Bartender for Mac OS X. You ever hear of this app? Is I it, have, yeah. It's a great, genius idea. You know those little icons you have in your menu bar on your Mac? Up in the upper right corner. All those little inscrutable, mostly black and white icons. Mine are spilling over to the, into the center. And <laughs> I try to keep mine down. Let me count mine right now. And this is consciously trying to keep a minimal number. I've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. <laughs> I got 13 of them. And that's not including even counting. Like no, including notifications and everything? No, that's not counting the ones that you can't turn off, like notifications and spotlight. I have a lot of them. <laughs> What does bartender do? Okay, so you get more than I do. Bartender lets you organize those menu items. You can hide them. It puts like a little. You can replace them all with like a little dot dot dot, and then you just hit that, and then it shows them to you. So it reduces the clutter you see all the time, but you can still use all those things. Because why do I have thirteen of them? Because every once in a while, I really do want to use one of them. You know, I really do have to go into the Dropbox menu or something like that, or I do want to open up uh, the text expander menu. I can have them with bartender, but I can have them out of my way. Uh, you move them to the bartender bar, and then you just display them when you want. Uh, you can rearrange the order of them. You can rearrange the order of all of those things. Uh, it's really great. You can even have it. You can even do smart things like only have menu items show when they update. Like if you have one that, uh, you know, like some Twitter clients have one of those little things up there and it'll turn a color when you have direct messages or something like that. Well, you can set it with bartender so that it only even shows up when it has some kind of notification or an update to tell you. They've just released version 1.2. It's fully Mavericks compatible. 
So if in the back of your head, wise guys, you're thinking, hey, that's a pretty cool trick, but maybe maybe uh, it's not going to work with Mavericks, which is coming out really soon. Well, they've already uh, shipped an update that's compatible with Mavericks. Uh, here's the one last thing about it that is just amazing to me. Go to their website and download it, and you get four-week free trial. That's super generous, and I think that just shows the confidence they have that when the four weeks are up, you're going to be like, oh, i got to buy it. Where do you go to find out more? Go to their website, uh, www.macbartender.com, macbartender.com. Great utility. Four-week free trial. Speaking of crying goodbyes, you see uh, Steve Ballmer? I didn't. Yeah, that's like the big I can't. An- I can't. Big annual I can't watch that guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of sad watching him go out. He's really... Uh, yeah. That's not the way you want to go out. It's really pretty ugly. Yeah. He is not going out so, like Mariano Rivera. No. See no, a rumor? Not, I saw. I, I read it at the top of his game. I read it in Business Insider. So, and Lord only knows what I was doing on their website. So it <laughs> it could be completely false. But I saw that it said that a leading candidate to replace him is the guy who's the CEO of Ford, Ford Motor Company. Yeah, I heard that. I don't know anything about the CEO of the Ford Motor Company, but I will tell you, it does not sound to me like he should be running Microsoft. It doesn't sound that's, to me like I mean, any. That's like, that sounds like going getting Scully. Yeah. You know, I mean, well. Yeah, it just, doesn't seem like that's going to end well. Yeah, it does not. Because it, a, it doesn't seem to. I mean, I know Ford is not like going under and i know that during the whole fiscal crisis that of the big three u.s automakers they were in far better shape you know didn't need a bailout like gm did or whatever um and you know good for them but nobody really i can't think of anybody who thinks wow ford's really you know dominating the world of of cars right so i don't know about that and the ceo knows how to rescue a gigantic software company yeah, and I feel like if there's any kind of lesson, I mean, I don't know. I still think that a big part of the problem with Ballmer as CEO is that the guy just never really got it. And I'm not saying you have to be Bill Gates, who was literally a a, a, a great programmer. You don't have to be a programmer to run Microsoft, you know, in the same way that you don't have to be an industrial designer uh, to run Apple, right? Tim Cook is not a designer, but... I do feel that Tim Cook fundamentally, when you listen to him, he understands what it is that Apple is supposed to be doing. And I don't think Ballmer ever really got that with Microsoft, at least in the consumer space. I think Ballmer's yeah. understanding of what, how and why Microsoft was successful was entirely revolved around uh, the franchises he had inherited and, and around the enterprise market, which could be, you know, could be lucrative and maybe long-term that's the route that Microsoft goes. But I think the reason that he's being shown the door is because of their failures in the consumer space. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. And wasn't Ford the company that made a pretty big push into the Microsoft designed software interface to their cars. And it was, you know, shockingly terrible. I don't know. That sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. I just—it seems like the kind of thing where you would have hoped that some they have somebody inside 
that they could promote. Yeah, that was kind of what I thought, but I don't know. But then, I, yeah, but then, but I don't know any anything about their bench. Yeah, and the other thing to me is, if that's the route they were going to go, I would have thought that I would think that maybe it wouldn't be we're going to have a year long transition. They would have said, yeah, you know, they would have done that quietly on the side and right. then done a done a little, the old switcheroo. And I know that it's different circumstances than it was with Steve Jobs because you know we now know in hindsight that dirt, you know that. That transition was he, you know, he was at the end of the rope, health-wise, he was dying, right. uh, or at least failing. Uh, but you know, it is though, like in terms of like a step-by-step process, it's how you do it. You know, like you you announce something, but you say, and here's the guy, you know, who's coming up. Mm-hmm. Just seems, yeah. I don't think they're gonna. I I don't think they're going to hire someone from inside. Yeah, it doesn't look like it, which I just think it seems like a terrible. I can't really, I cannot think of an instance where that's worked really well. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I'm sure it happens all the time, and maybe that's just a failing of my, how keyed in I am to that kind of thing. But I would think in the software industry, I would, technology, I would have heard of something like that, but. It's just that the companies in the in the computer industry are to me so distinctive, like the ones that get big and successful. Like Microsoft is nothing like Google, and neither one of them is anything like Apple, and they're none of those companies are anything like Facebook, uh, you know. Uh, and I just feel like it's you know they have such strong personalities you know like what it is that makes a successful microsoft product a microsoft product there's a feel to it you know it it permeates everything they do both the design and the brand and the just even what it's meant to do and i feel like i don't know bringing in the guy from ford i I just don't doesn't seem like it's going to help them at all Mm -hmm. How about, how about Samsung coming out with a gold iPhone, gold uh, <laughs> Galaxy? Got anything on that? Uh, no. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. And they went with a real gold gold. That's the one. That I didn't even know what joke to crack. <laughs> and it's plastic, too. Well, of course it is. That was one yeah. of the, I think that's one of the hard things. And I think it, you know. Gold's pretty hard to pull off in plastic. Yeah. I think you just, yeah, you don't want to go there, but. You know, like when you first heard the rumors in like early August or whenever it was that it seemed like Apple might be, you know, the new 5S was going to come in gold and everybody was like, ooh, it doesn't sound good. Like, Yeah, whatever. no, it sounded terrible at first. As you sucked the air between your teeth and thought and cringed a little and crinkled your eyes and worried that color of gold that you had in your mind, that's the color of gold that <laughs> Samsung is going with. Now, supposedly they had a gold phone prior to this, but it was a flip phone. Hmm. Of course they did. So, I love the people know, who defend them. So they got there first, but... <laughs> in the in the all-important gold flip phone market. <laughs> I do think that that's it's an interesting way going to gold. I you know I, I don't think it's the only reason they went to gold. I think Apple made this gold iPhone because it looks good and a lot of people really like it. And I think people you know it's an interesting way to keep that same hardware design for two years uh, as they've done you know for six years in a row. 
uh, and have something that's compatible with all the existing cases, et cetera, et cetera, and yet still make it look really new. Um, but I can't help but think, though, that the fact that they make the iPhone out of metal, you know, is it, making it gold is an interesting way to differentiate it from Samsung's plastic. Yes. You know, to keep the, the 5S as a top tier that the, uh, that the other phones, you know, both from competitors and even with the 5C from Apple itself, that they're, you know, they're a shelf below. Right. I was going to go this time. I, I was going to go with the white. If they, had, if they had kept the same color scheme, I was actually going to get my first white iPhone. Because I think the I actually think the white iPhone five looks better than the black one. Hmm. Um, but you went space because my wife my wife ended up getting a white five, and, and you went space gray because. But I got space gray because I think that's an improved. I mean the the banding around it is is nice. Yeah, it's definite. It's definitely better than the black one from last year. Yeah. Do you agree? Like what I said last week, I, or maybe it was Dalrymple. I forget if I'm stealing this or if I came up with it, but. Uh, uh, it's my show, so I think it's okay. Do you agree that it's reminiscent of the original iPhone? It's a darker. It's a little darker than the metal in the original yeah, iPhone. Yeah, no, I think it's... I think it's... Oh, the back... Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I'd say a little bit. I didn't really think about that, uh, but... I would say it's a little bit like that. It's a nice-looking phone, though. I could see them switching to make, um, like, MacBooks in this color. Oh, Yeah. It's been a long time since they've changed the color of MacBooks, you know? I've, right. I, I mean, I've, I've, I'm pulling this out of my ass. I mean, I've, no, I don't have any kind <laughs> that of... Would throw, that would throw the uh, the Ultrabook uh, business into... Exactly. Disarray. But I feel like, you know, I don't think Apple worries itself too much about other companies copying their designs. I mean, I'm sure it's annoying, but at the same time, it's yeah. got to be flattering. Because everybody knows, like, when all these other things come out that look so much like MacBooks that it's, you know... It just emphasizes who's the market leader. But at a certain point, I feel like they're going to want to do something new. They can't just yeah. keep this this same color forever. And right. I feel like this space gray would totally work. Yeah. Even if it was only for like the MacBook <laughs> Pro or something like that. Oh, that would yeah. Back to the uh back to the black MacBook. Extra $50 for space gray. <laughs> Wait, what was that? <laughs> Wait, did they charge extra for that? Yeah, yeah, I and I got that too. I got that. that I didn't. I, you know, oh, I didn't end up liking it right. because I I switched from a power book. Was it called the MacBook yet, or was it Intel. still the was it still the yeah? IBook? No, that was no, it was the MacBook. And and that they was, came out was, with uh, a black one. They were plastic, and they came out with yeah. a black one, and it did look better. I thought, and they charged an extra fifty bucks for. Yeah, it. yeah. I wouldn't. I wasn't going to get the white one. <laughs> I just couldn't bring myself to get the white one. But I switched from a power book to that, and it wasn't I wasn't happy with that. The plastic wasn't I, I mean it, it was much better once they switched to unibody plastic, but the seams I, were annoying. I think that that that's one of those cases where that's that's why some people hate Apple. <laughs> like charging extra for the color it is pretty bad is is exactly <laughs> it, it, it is right like a it's right teed up. <laughs> Perfectly for that is what makes people go crazy about Apple. Absolutely, like insane crazy. They didn't charge extra for gold. No, 
No, I think that they've kind of learned. There was some. Lesson. I think there was. I mean, some people were speculating about that before. You know, when well, it first came out. But. It's really hard to get it. I. I mean, I think it's nonsense. I can't. I'm not even going to link to it. But I saw a story that somebody said that somebody sold a gold iPhone on eBay for ten thousand dollars. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, you know, I can see selling it for double the price to some moron who really has to just can't wait to get their hands on it, but not $10,000. That can't be true. It has to be fake. But I don't, uh, I don't know. I read it on the internet. I wouldn't so maybe. put it past. I mean, people bought that I Am Rich app. <laughs> <laughs> so Was somebody it? did anyway. <laughs> Wonder what the what the most that Apple could have gotten away charging for the gold iPhone is. I don't want you want to speculate. Yeah, I don't know. Imagine if they did, if they like charged like five grand for it, and all it is is gold anodized color. Just a gold. Yeah. yeah. I think oh. you're gonna charge. You're gonna charge five grand. It should be real gold. Yeah, I wonder what the reception would be like on that. Oh yeah be heavy too certainly made for some some great uh headlines people would buy it though <laughs> when those Vir- oh, i'm sure somebody would those vertu phones are still vertu is still around the oh, company God. that sells like five thousand dollar uh like <laughs> leather cell phones uh and they've I, they've switched to android finally they used to be like symbian like somebody took one apart and and it really literally was like inside like the leather and like jewel embellished case it was like a $40 Nokia Symbian phone. <laughs> somebody would buy it. I mean that's what that's, I what, mean, that's what people claim iPhones are too though. Yeah, that's what they claim, but you know. Yeah. Virtu really it costs $200 to make. And they say that it's it, it, it's like a concierge service. Like there's a button you can hit and, you you know, talk to it. If you have a Virtu phone, you have like a button and you can get like a Virtu concierge and say, hey, I'm in uh, I'm in Seattle tonight. I want to get – can I get a dinner reservation at like a, a good Italian restaurant? And then somehow they take care of it or something. I don't know if it works well huh. or whatever. But it seems to me like, you know – there are other ways to get somebody to make a hotel reservation or restaurant reservation for you than to buy a four thousand yeah, dollars really. Symbian phone. You could get you could get a free, you get the one was it one table app for free. Yeah, it does. You know, seems like there's a there's a better way. So so oh so uh, Amy's got the Amy's got the gold one. Yeah, and I still have the. I have to send it back. I got to send back my review unit. Oh, they gave you a gold. They gave yeah. you a gold review unit and a and a pink and a pink five C. I, you know what, people laugh about that, and there's lots of tweets like that. They everybody was you know loved that uh, Apple gave me the pink one. I don't think it it it's not a jokey joke pink. It's not like no, a it's little, really not. Yeah, it's not a that's what, little <laughs> I girl's told my pink. Wife it. it really isn't. I mean, I could see, you know, like, that there would be grown. Well, I don't know. It's pink, but. It's not. It's not as ridiculous it's, as it sounds. Yeah, it's it's all. It's more like a salmony rose. Yeah, something like that. It's not. Ex- it's not pink, pink. Yeah. I guess that's the other question. You know, again, Apple's never going to tell us, but we're going to have to like eyeball it. You know, as we just observe people. But I'm curious to see which colors are are the most popular. How the, how they're distributed. The green's pretty cool. I would I would have suspected the blue, but. I think the green's going to be popular. Yeah, and it really it really stands out. 
and I don't and know if it's just a coincidence or not, but a lot of the ads I I've seen so far are the green. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I, green is it looks pretty good. And I think wasn't I'm trying to remember which ones were the ones that sold out. Yellow, I mean, yellow like apparently sold yellow? out first. Yeah. But who knows? Was, yeah, maybe yellow and green, because I thought green was one of them, though. But you have no way of knowing whether it's because they made the same number of all and yellow sold right. out first, or if Apple thought, well, I don't know about this yellow, we're going to make fewer of them, and then they sold yeah. out. So you don't know. I mean, and Apple's never going to tell you. BlackBerry reported their, uh, yeah. their revenue. <laughs> it's getting ugly. It's not good. wonder going to happen with them. I guess there's some crazy guy who's going to buy the company. Apparently, yeah, which is, I guess, taking it. Is that taking a private? Are they taking a private then? Yeah. I I guess. I just feel like, you know, like he's going to, it's like, you know, come down off off the like week long bender he's on and he wakes (laughs) up. He's going to go, I did what? (laughs) I bought what? And there was a rumor that what's his name was trying was trying to buy it. Um, Lazardius or whatever his name. Yeah, is. yeah. Lazaridis. Lazaridis. Mike Lazaridis. That would have been bad. <laughs> I like my joke on that, where it was, uh, you know, that his pitch his pitch to the investors is the other guy was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> New candles. Yeah. What I else we got? No, I don't week? know where where did they they. Where do they go? I don't know. It seems like it seems like the point where they should have like, like, like where Nokia is now. Nokia is like that. They still have their pride. They they maybe could still stand alone, but they're selling now. Like the time for Rim or BlackBerry right. was like two or three years ago. Like they right. kind of needed to sell the company like two years ago. And and now it's like nobody. I don't think anybody knows what to do with them. Before they did that whole thing with the playbook. Yeah embarrass themselves yeah what about the new kindles i didn't really look into that that much uh other than hearing about the mayday service yeah they look good it's kind of a weird thing though like where they didn't do an event but they organized you know they had seem like that big a deal yeah, and they had some, you know, but they did have some embargoed reviewers and they, you know, a couple of interviews conducted in advance. But then they had the embargo lift at midnight. I forget if it was midnight Pacific or midnight Eastern, but either way, kind of a weird time to lift an embargo. Like when a lot of people are in bed. It just seems weird. Yeah. And I guess that the strategy is then people wake up in the morning and it's still at the top of the news because nothing else happened overnight, but it just seemed a little weird. They look good, but I don't know. I, I don't know, you know. It, it, I don't see many. I, you know, they've been out for a while. I don't see very many Kindle fires out there in the wild. And the ones I do see tend to be the, the you know, the small one. Like the one that people, I think people mm-hmm. have bought. Like, you know, my guess is that they are, you know, pretty much bought just to have a, a Kindle ebook reader that's in color. Right. Which is a totally credible product. Uh, I'm not even. I'm not disparaging it, but it. You know, the ones I've seen over the years have tended to be the small one, and it's people on airplanes using them to read books. I, yeah. I assume that they're books. Who knows what they're reading? Uh, 
we see we see them more out here, obviously. Um, we I think we talked about this once before, but you know when I used to commute up to Seattle, uh, yeah, I'd see I'd see a lot of them on the train. Do you see more window Cause, tablets? Because some of those well? people were were. Um, um, I've seen a I've seen a few, not a lot though. I mean, they they haven't sold very many. It's pretty hard to. I sold. To I find s- those. Yeah, I, I, I definitely know. see more. Definitely see more Kindles. I mean, it, it on the train when I was commuting, it was I would see a fair number of them. But I mean, like I said, some of those people were probably going to Amazon. Um, I and, I saw somebody at the airport when I was coming home from Portland last week who was right out of a Windows commercial, a Windows tablet commercial. She was using hers on her lap at the airport with the keyboard and typing away at a pace where I have to admit I could never achieve on an iPad personally. You know, it's, you know, so it seemed to me like she, you know, maybe she bought the right tablet. I don't know, but I I hadn't seen it. I I don't see very many windows ones at all. Mm -mm. It almost seems like the announcements are half hearted. Like I'm not saying that, you know, Kindle and uh, windows have given up on, on, you know, competing against the iPad, but it, you know, the Kindle one this week, uh, you know, no, no event came at midnight, you know, it hasn't made that big a splash when Microsoft had, a, uh, the next gen surface announcement, you know, seemed like the guy was half asleep up there. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're not giving up. We're doing another one. We know you're not going to buy it. <laughs> Am I wrong? I mean, am I am I am I reading it wrong? That's how no, it felt to me. I don't know. I mean, it's got to be a hard, hard thing to do. Yeah. Let's spend all year making this thing that we know we really kind of know people aren't going to buy. They switched the ads. You saw the um, the, the ads are now more product centric than the. They got rid of the dancing, mm. which is definitely an improvement. They're still not great ads, but they're but they're. Much better than the ones they had originally. Yeah. Wonder how much they're going to spend on it. I saw that uh, there was a story a billion billion dollars already in write-off. There was a story that that Motorola was going to spend five hundred million dollars on an ad campaign for the Moto X, which is a lot of money. Like I think they said that Apple's budget in the U.S. for ads is like a billion a year or something like that. You know, but it's you know five hundred million is roughly in the ballpark. You know, it's not Samsung money. Samsung spends like ten, eleven billion dollars a year on on advertising. But mm-hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I can't remember the last time I saw like a Motorola campaign. Like they seem to have given up. Yeah, I haven't seen one either. You hear I, every once in a while. I don't listen to the radio anymore, but every once in a while, my wife listens to the radio and. Um, I frequently hear a Samsung ad. Hmm. Yeah, you know, they spend the most. I mean, they they outspend yeah. Apple like ten to one. Like I think Horace Deji yeah. was the first guy to kind of point that out, mm-hmm. and that it's you know, you know, arguably you know nobody ever famously nobody ever really knows how to measure the effectiveness of advertising, um, but it you know it does seem though that they've 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 spent so much money on advertising that that competitors like htc have they can't keep up because htc can't spend that kind of money because they don't have it right they don't have it and at, uh, they they also run the they run the gamut of outlets too it seems like right they have tv ads they've got stuff in the 
newspaper. They've got stuff in the on the radio, whereas Apple just does. Well, I mean, I guess they they do magazine ads too. Yeah, Apple certainly and does. And maybe a lot, I've seen but... maybe I've seen one in the newspaper. Probably yeah. like a big like a you know like a New York Times. Yeah. But I don't think they don't they don't do radio. I don't think. Yeah. The Mayday thing, I guess that's the most interesting thing of all the other tablets that was announced this week. This feature where all all your new Kindle tablets come with a one-button feature. You hit it, and their goal is that within 15 seconds or less, you get a, a video chat with a customer support rep. And you can see them and hear them, and they can hear you, but they don't see you. All they see is your screen. And then they can like draw on your screen to show you how to do stuff, or they can like remotely take control. Uh, it it sounds fantastic for people who are nervous about technology. I just it yeah. just does not sound to me like something that can scale, given the way that no matter what company I call for <coughs> for support, if it's just a good old fashioned phone call, I can't get on the phone with somebody in sooner than three minutes. So I don't know. Yeah. It is though to me a typical Jeff Bezos feature where it is it does sound crazy. <laughs> and it is about making customers happy, which I have to say is, you know, certainly one of the, you know, the best things about Amazon as a company. Say what you want about their, you know, pricing and stuff like that and that what they do to markets that they enter. But, you know, in terms of, you know, that they want their customers to be happy, that's always been the case. But like, for example, I don't think Apple, I don't, I don't even think, even if Apple wanted to dip as far into its cash reserves as possible, I don't know that they could technically offer that feature for the iPad. And right. Like, they just sell too many. I mean, where where would you even find yeah. enough people people to answer the phone? Yeah, and I was just thinking, that's what I was just thinking about. I was wondering if those people, where those people are, if they're out here or... I'd heard I'd read some stories about uh, some of the support stuff that a lot of these companies had shipped overseas years ago coming back just because the economy was had gotten to the point where it was so bad here that they could afford to hmm. to bring some of it back. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I still think that was a relatively small small percentage. Yeah. Like my wife, she she had a problem with she's got a. A fax printer, you know, copy machine thing, and she had a problem with it, and she called to get technical support in that, um, and it was, you know, that went to India. So I still think that a lot. I mean, the the percentage that went that came back from what went over is not that great. I had a problem with my cable uh, TV from the wonderful Comcast company this week, where we just stopped getting anything other than like three channels. Uh, <laughs> We just got like the local ABC, NBC, CBS affiliates and, you know, we were supposed to get, I don't know, 800 channels. And so I had to call them and this is a perfect example. I mean, it was like, you know, it wasn't a horrible experience, but I was on the phone for 15 minutes all told. I mean, it was at least three or four minutes before I got through the automated part where I had to answer stupid questions and then finally get connected to a person. And then when I got connected to a person pretty sure she was not in the united states i mean she was very nice but she was you know we had a little bit of a communication problem in terms of understanding yeah. accents i think uh she was very nice and you know d- 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 you know it, i i don't had been a while since i'd called comcast for any reason but uh and she didn't what she say she goes is it okay 
if I call you by your first name, sir? I was like, yeah, sure. I was like, why would you ask that? But, you know, <laughs> see, it was, she was over, bend over backwards, you know, to be nice. But apparently all she had to do is like hit a button and quote, send a signal to, to our, the cable cards in the back of our TV. And then they just suddenly worked again. <laughs> like it, it did not seem like I should have been on the phone 15 and 20 minutes. It was a very right. long time for something that, it, you know, and she said, I'm sending the signal now. Can you get these channels? And, it, you know, after she said those words that I started getting those channels, it was instantaneous. But I don't know why it took so long before she decided to send the signal. Or why they just don't send that signal all the time. Uh, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> why not send it all the time? <laughs> just keep sending the signal. Right. That's a premium service. You have to you have to pay extra for that. Well, I and I should say I'm not naive. I understand why it takes so long. It's because you know it's very it costs so much less to hire people in other countries like say India, and you know you only hire a few of them, and you make it harder to actually get one on the phone, uh, and you do all these things. But I, I'm saying you know, it just seems like if you were really interested in customer service, you'd you'd set something up more like Mayday. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that both AT&T and Verizon, at least in my experience, use domestic call centers. Hmm. I wonder why that is. Yeah. I mean, it seems like they would have to employ a lot of people. Yeah. seems like you Because they've got so many people across the country on both of those networks. Yeah, I don't every know. Time, every time I talk to somebody, well, I don't call at 3 o'clock in the morning, but maybe that's what they do. Is it possible maybe that the, they're union companies? At, like somehow oh, inherited, and somehow inherited from the old, you know, Ma Bell. Yeah, right, Bell. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I saw an inter. Did you see the thing that was uh, linked up? It was like, what if the iPhone were a standalone business? How big would it be? It would be like the seventeenth uh-huh. biggest company in the Fortune five hundred. I thought it was interesting that in that list, like still in the top ten, you know, by revenue, both AT and T and Verizon. And I know that Verizon is not just Verizon Wireless. And in fact, Verizon Wireless, which is what all of us think of when we think of Verizon, is like co-owned between Verizon and uh, T-Mobile in Europe. And that Verizon is buying the other half of it out from T-Mobile for, I don't know, it's like $20 billion. It's huge. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I saw that. Um, but still, fundamentally, you know, they're, they're two halves of the same phone, what was once when we were kids, the same phone company. Like imagine mm-hmm. if if they hadn't been broken up, how big you know, how big AT and T would be. Like it's very it's interesting to me that they got split up and then they were split up into like a bunch of parts and then somehow, like, like the that liquid metal Terminator, they all sort of <laughs> came back together and they still haven't combined into one. And you know that it would never get approved. Like an AT and T Verizon merger would never get approved. No. Um, because didn't I mean AT and T tried to buy uh, was it Sprint or T Mobile T Mobile AT and T tried to buy one of them and and it got T-Mobile. shot T-Mobile. yeah and even that yeah. got shot down uh, there's right. no chance but you you know that they kind of want to that they're they're oh yeah they're yeah, only being, <laughs> they're only being held apart <laughs> by federal regulators like it's it's exactly it's like two parts of a terminator that just desperately want to recombine because all they can think of is oh my god if we could combine imagine how much we could charge people per month for their cell phones (laughs) i think my bill went down i i'm still i still gotta wait for the first uh 
payment to come through, but it sound it seems like from what they were saying. Oh, wait, be paying the, a little the bit best less. part. I can't wait till you get it. You got to let me know when you get your your final bill from AT and T. <laughs> that's not going to be good because <laughs> I you know what I remember last year it was last year when I switched to Verizon and it was it took a while it was like five weeks later so I had kind of forgotten about it and I kind of done the math in my head and knew it was going to be expensive and all of a sudden I'm at like midday and I guess the mail came I hear Amy downstairs John <laughs> <laughs> what did I, you do and I was like what and I it was it was it was a lot it was it was big yeah yeah, you don't want to mess with those. It guys. is in terms of like what a corporation can do to you. And I know, I guess, you know, I shouldn't complain. I knew that I had a two year contract and whatever. But it is effectively like like a legal way for AT&T when you break off your relationship with them to just mail you a box of feces. Is, <laughs> here, here you go. Here is a massive bill for a service that you haven't used for five. You've already been gone for five weeks. <laughs> It's it really is awful. It's yeah, like, you can't you can't buy an off con uh, not an off contract. You can't what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, you can't just pay outright for a Verizon phone, can you? No, I don't a think Verizon they'll iPhone. Let you. No, they won't let you. You can do that on AT and T, though, right? I think so. Yes. Yeah, which is weird. I don't know why one of them does that, but the other one doesn't. I think because Verizon is is like a little bit less nickel and dimey, but a little bit more control yeah. freaky, you know. Yeah, and it's the same way that they that they don't use SIM cards. I mean, they do for, but it's only for international roaming. That you don't have a SIM card from Verizon. You know, it's like somehow your your identifier is built into the phone hardware. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I, I think that's the reason they stick with that is it gives them more control over the devices on their network. That's it. I I ran down my list for the week. You got anything else? No, I think we. Uh, oh well, the only other thing was the iOS the uh, iOS seven motion sickness. But um, oh well, that's good. We could do that. That's a good way to close the yeah. show. Make people sick. <laughs> I think that's pretty interesting. So the idea here is that the uh, there's a lot of people who now that they've upgraded to iOS seven, you know, that the the extra motion in it, the zooming in and out. Uh, the parallax the para- effect parallax, yeah. is making some people who are susceptible to motion sickness, it's triggering it, and they're, they're feeling you know, nauseous, yeah. nauseating. And I've gotten, I've gotten that sort of fake, you know, there's that Star Wars ride. I don't know if they still have it, but there's a Star Wars ride at Disney World where you go into a box, and they basically just shake the box around to sort of simulate, simulate flying around in an X-Wing or something like that. That made me sick because hmm. you're not really flying, obviously. It's not like I, mean, I can do a roller coaster, no problem, because you're really moving. But that thing actually uh, walking out of that, I thought I was going to yak. Um, I have, I don't have that problem with iOS seven though. All right. Uh, it seems to me like I think I I sympathize with everybody who's affected, and I and I I've seen a lot of stuff online. I mean, you read the comments, and it's like people are so stupid. There's people who you know obviously are clearly not affected by this. Who their response when people you know to some of these articles is well then these people should buy a different phone. Well, that's that's pretty. Uh, right. You're not really thinking this through. This is this is a fixable yeah. problem, right? right? The answer nobody is asking for Apple to take all these if you like them and I like a lot of them if you you know like these cool effects and transitions. They're not saying that they should take them out. They just want a way to turn them off. Right. 
you know, and Apple already has some of that. You can turn off the parallax, but there's some of the zooming effects. Like when you go back to the home screen from an app and the icons fly in, you know, yeah. I think people want that turned off. Right. Cause I do sympathize. Which, I, I would, cause I love the iPhone and I'm on the iPhone all the time. It would be, it would, I would feel like Alex and the clockwork orange. If using my iPhone made me <laughs> nauseated. I'm like compelled to do this thing that, that makes me want to throw up. Beethoven playing right. in the background. Like I can't stop checking Twitter and my email on my phone, but now I, I keep retching. <laughs> <laughs> and it might be better. It might make it better on uh, on the iPhone four too, because it's a little difficult on the four. I've heard mixed comments from like my readers, and it's there. It's it is a very fun way, like having a big readership, like during Fireball, and people and not having comments, and people just email me. It's a fun way to just sort of get a survey. Like, I've gotten email from people who are like, you know, I upgraded on my four, and I can't believe I, I was really worried about it because I saw all these people saying it was going to be slow. I think it's great, and then I got emails from other people who are like, "Wow, I upgraded to seven on my four, and really regret it." Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle of the road on it. I mean, I probably would do it just to get the extra features. I mean, I you know, I've got an old uh, that was the first thing that I tested it on was was an old 4 and then I went to a 4S and finally the 5, but it's it's some of it's a little difficult, I think. So sure it takes a while to boot up too. Hmm. What about on the iPad? You have it on your iPad? I just put it on the iPad last night. I've got a, a third generation iPad and when I first upgraded to it I was like oh my god I should not have done this uh, but it's gotten it's actually seems to have stabilized a little I'm not sure exactly what was going on in the background but it seems to be better and I really like the parallax on a bigger screen yeah it's much more no it's much more noticeable and it's more fun I think I mean it's one of those stupid eye candy things that doesn't really give you a lot but i think it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah i i'm in the middle of the road on it i stick with what i thought a month ago which was that i thought that you know all summer long using the betas that on the ipad it was about a month behind the iphone like when the iphone got to a certain point in quality about a month later ios 7 on the ipad reached that point and so i expected that they were going to release it just for the iphone at first to coincide with the new iphone event two weeks ago and then in a month later, next month, October, when they do the iPad, then they'll release iOS 7 for iPad. And I, you know, I'm not saying should is maybe a strong word, but I still think if they had done that, it would probably would be in better shape. And I would right. not be surprised at all if when the new iPads come in a couple of weeks that it were up to like, let's, I don't know what, if it's going to be 7.1 or just 7.0.4 or something, but some some update that isn't even out yet where it's, you know, smoothed out. Because I right. notice some things like where I'm switching just between mail and Safari because I'm reading messages where I have link, links and I'm opening them in Safari where sometimes it's real smooth. And then sometimes when I switch, it is like three, four, five seconds before the other app loads. And I can't even mm -hmm. hit the, you know, even hitting the home button. It's whatever's going on there behind the scenes. The whole system is, is jammed up. And I don't see yeah. that on the phone. Yeah. I tried to switch the background of the wallpaper and I just like, I wasn't getting any response whatsoever. Uh, yeah, you know, I finally I, switched it, and it seemed like it was all right. Yeah, uh, uh, David Bernard, uh, I saw it posted. Uh, 
a Vine. And what is it? Vine at six, limited to six seconds? Uh, I think so. Yeah. So you have a limit of six seconds. And the time it takes to change your wallpaper was longer than a Vine. So, yeah. like, oh, yeah, you guys talked about this last week. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was pretty telling. So, yeah. yeah. But still, it was, but I also got to the point using it on my phone where going back to iOS 6 was was jarring in its own way. So, you know, picking up my iPad and seeing iOS 6 was like, nah, I don't, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've moved on emotionally and I, I need to be on it on all my devices. Yeah, I don't know. And part of it, I think, is like you said, that the, um, that the parallax seems more noticeable on the bigger screen. I think so. Yeah, I think it definitely is. It really makes, to me, the home screen on an unupdated iPad feel static. It just feels like there's no life to it. Yeah. All right. I see what you mean. I wrap it up. I'll see what you mean here about uh, Samsung's history of gold flip phones. It's actually from Samsung themselves. It's a Samsung blog. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Samsung Tomorrow. (laughs) I'll, I'll post this to the show notes. It's the okay. golden history of Samsung phones, an editorial from Samsung. <laughs> so that it's interesting that it comes from Samsung because it's, uh, it, you know, it's like I wonder why they posted this. <laughs> why? Yeah. Why would you? Why they would do that? Why would you see the need to defend your decision to put out a new gold phone? <laughs> All right, John Moltz, thank you for joining the show. Thank you.